much play We don't have to laugh and we don't have to talk Don't have to cry and we don't have to fuck But really would like to hear what you have to say Nothing to do anymore. I've seen everything on the internet, I think. I finished the internet again. Yep. And that's complete. It's got nothing more to show me. I'm just reading like green text, spooky stories from 4chan. Bottom of the barrel stuff. Yeah, well, it's real, really <laughs> scrapping it. <laughs> uh, like, like, I didn't even know there was, there was, I thought there would just be barrel here. Nope, it's the muck. Skinwalkers, other shit. You know, spooky stuff. All of them. Terrible grammar. Just non-stop run-on sentences. Terrible. Um, last week was my birthday. Shelly Duvall and I share a birthday. How, how's she doing these days? Um, Probably not that well. I know she has a lot of uh, emotional problems and stuff. Possibly from Stanley Kubrick, but also just um, general life. Yeah. Being an, actor, being an actor seems pretty hard for a lot of people, especially if you're a woman. So... There you go. <laughs> but for her and I share a birthday, so that's pretty tight. It's like we're like friends. <laughs> that's how birthday friends. I have a friend in real life, but we're not like really friends anymore because I don't really talk to anyone from that gang, but we have the same birthday too. So I guess it doesn't really mean anything. I don't have any friends like the ones I had when I was 12 years old. I never had any friends like that. <laughs> Wasn't that a line from it, actually? I don't know. That's my recollection, but I've read both these King uh, stories, so maybe I'm just... It's all futzing together. It's, it's Stephen King. Stephen King's got a lot of... Uh, well, I guess just his attitudes about childhood in general kind of crop up in a lot of his uh, stories, it yeah. seems to be. Speaking of uh, adolescence, or maybe the arrested development of adolescence, uh, climate activist Greta Thunberg has attacked Star Wars fans. You ready? <laughs> Ready for the quote? Uh, I think I heard it, but go ahead. How can we tackle climate change if the adults are obsessed over a children's movie series based on Legos? Boom. That's that's ridiculous. It's not based on Legos. (laughs) Burning them up. Burning them up. I guess that, by by extension of that, we got to cancel the podcast (laughs) because, I mean, we're basically doing the same shit, right? (laughs) I guess it's true. (laughs) It's not like... It's not like I have any, uh, me personally have any power to fight climate change. You know what I mean? No, you have a little, you have the tiniest bit of power, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. I get I, it. Sort of. Yeah. I, right. Like, people are way too obsessed over uh, pop culture, and well, maybe we shouldn't, maybe our podcast should be focused on that, but at the same yeah. time, you know, fucker. <laughs> I mean, it's something I've complained about on the podcast, I'm sure. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I do we think- definitely have. People retreat way too much into pop culture and for like, safety and yeah. not able to face reality a lot of the time. Well, I mean, or you know, fucking stakeums. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, my biggest problem with it, on top of like, all right, that's just a whole swath of like people that aren't going to help. Is uh, 
they also like recontextualize real world events and politics through the lens of their fucking baby shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about the shit that went on with like recently in the Black Lives Matter protests and people talking about the Joker movie. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Yeah, that's also like uh, the Wayfair thing, which is clearly like some federal money laundering. But nope, it's they're selling kids and <laughs> shit. <laughs> People are pretty fucking dumb. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of legitimate reasons not to like Wayfair, uh, but I don't believe they're uh, that heavily involved in the child sex trafficking operations. I mean, I'm sure they are to some extent because it seems to be so pervasive, but uh, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, they probably have like a CEO or somebody that's yeah, on the yeah, plane exactly. or some shit. But I'm pretty sure that all that overpriced shit is for laundering like federal money, right? Since they're furnishing ice and shit. I, I would assume so, but I yeah. don't want to say for certain. It could also just be a fucking computer glitch is the most obvious. Oh, I guess that could be it too. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing is they are sketchy for plenty of valid reasons. Right. Not, not the really made up one. <laughs> the Pizzagate Wait, one. What are you doing? Pizzagate shit again? <laughs> yeah. This is, this is the woke Pizzagate this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some other bad news this week, though. Um, Ennio Morricone has passed away. Rest in oh, power. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's like 900 years old. Yeah, no, he had a good life, I'm sure. Speaking of uh, nerds, though, I saw a post on Reddit. Oh, no, what are they going to do for Red Dead Redemption 3? Well, no, someone... <laughs> re- it's, it is related to Red Dead Redemption, though. It's just even more embarrassing. Um, someone cut a trailer for Red Dead Redemption, like a fan trailer, and uh, they used the ecstasy of gold from Good and Bad the Ugly in it, right? That's all over commercials these days too, which whatever. Sure. It's a, I think it's, it's on SpongeBob. It's uh, it's because of the Metallica cover, surely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the title of the post was uh, Sergio Leone's uh, "Ecstasy of Gold" fits perfectly with Red Dead Redemption, and I was just like, <sighs> "You fucking gamers don't know shit. You're the dumbest people on earth, aren't you? No, couldn't even couldn't even fucking Google that shit. You fucking use the song in the trailer." <laughs> i mean if you put putting it up on youtube uh, youtube's gonna tell you who wrote it yeah <laughs> yeah the, i don't know i'm just like tired of the, the, the gamer culture and jo- those adjacent to it on the internet in general they just always seem like the stupidest fucking people which includes most of vhs cult i hope not i'm <laughs> i'm firmly anti-video games now anti-gamer all of it all I care, I think I said it before on one of the more recent podcasts, is like, I don't care about new movies. I don't, now I don't care about video games. I don't care about comic books. All I care about is watching 80s shit. That's it. That's all I'm about. <laughs> only, watch the, <laughs> only watch old movies from the 80s now. Nothing I'm else. just going to read Beverly Clearly. And that's it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the podcast, VHS Cult. I'm Kyle. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 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 Dave. That's Dave. Uh, this is now listening. This podcast is your uncle's talking about the weather. It's been <laughs> hot as fuck lately, huh, bro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know. My air conditioning didn't go out or anything, so it wasn't <laughs> dreadfully apparent to me that Phoenix shouldn't be a real city. How long did it go out for? Like. 12 hours, right? Well, I mean, it went out in the middle of the night, so oh. I, at least at least 12 hours. 
Uh, yeah, it's if I go outside because like I smoke in the garage and it's like oh, oh no oh no oh no <laughs> I was 100, uh, 116 today I think yeah yesterday was one fifteen it'll be one sixteen today I think it's gonna be like this for another week or so yeah, it's supposed to cool down to like one oh six yeah that's the that's joke a manageable one oh six it's gonna cool down guys don't worry it's only gonna be hovering around one ten no big deal Arizona and of course um. You can't go outside anyways, though, because it's just fucking the air is coronavirus. <laughs> I was, I, there's some statistic I was reading or some study they were doing. I saw on Twitter, and it's like, if you're in a, cloud, a crowd in Arizona with 50% or 50 people or more, you have like a 98% chance to catch corona? That can't be right. Well, it's like one in 40 people or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I probably have it right now. Yeah. It's just... The whole thing is when it started popping off, it was like, well, the United States obviously is not going to handle this very well, so it's going to be yeah. bad. And then, Well, I mean, that's the thing. If, even if we had a competent president, we would not have handled it really well. Um, because a lot of the problems exist naturally. Well, not naturally. Level, yeah. They're at, like, systemic level. Mm-hmm. But then we also, like, I, I mean... Uh, in, in terms of educating our populace and shit like that, there's yeah. a whole slew of problems that the, the United yeah. States has that we, we wouldn't combat it well. But when you tack on a, a chief executive that just is garbage at everything, well, that, I've been thinking about that lately too. Is um, if he could have just done like a little bit better job, he might have guaranteed re-election. Oh, 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 yeah, that's all I had well, to do. Why didn't call it just, just a competent job? Why didn't they just do it? <laughs> <laughs> is it like straight up they just can't? That's exactly what it is. It's all these fucking Republicans. And I mean, Trump is like the the most perfect example of it almost, but like our governor's a, a pretty good example of it too. Yeah. Is they just think it's some cushy job that they get into to like sell away government assets to make money. But then as soon as there's a real crisis, it turns out they have no fucking clue what they're doing. That sucks. Cause it's like you, a lot of times it's like, well, this is like malignant, but some of it just seems to be like, they just fucking are. It's fucking competence. Yeah. They can't do anything. I mean, some of it is, it, some of Trump's shit is definitely doing that. Oh, yeah, some, some of it, too, is yeah, just yeah. he can't get the fuck out of his own way. Yeah. I mean, all the racist shit is obviously just malignant. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's been part of Trump's history since he was born. Yeah, the, the extension of That's extreme. like the one consistent policy he has. Well, also, like, you, you fucking grind people into dirt through the power of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but those are like the two big problems with the, every fucking administration. That's the problem with the United States all the time. But then also, you just fucking can't get people to wear masks, huh? You had to turn into a fucking political issue? Fucking weird. This country's fucked. Death cult. Death cult. Death cult. Death cult. <laughs> all right, well, let's retreat. We got no plan, but kids are going to our school, goddammit. <laughs> all the teachers on the internet are like, we're going to die. <laughs> well, oh, you fuck, yeah. My kids aren't going back. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Um, At this point, they're letting kids do online school as an option, so they're definitely not doing it because I work from home, so what the fuck is the difference to me? Yeah, it'd be um, more convenient anyways. And uh, uh, even if they force it, I'll just pull them out and we'll do homeschool. Fuck it. At this point, yeah. I'm not going to be part of the problem. So, I mean, I, I this is the reason I probably can't have kids is because there's like things that you have to have your kids do that I'm like, hmm. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> but, <laughs> There's uh, a lot of, I've talked about the anxieties. Of, yeah. like, the hard part of having kids is not necessarily raising kids. I actually think that part is pretty easy for the most. But so far, anyway, it's already pretty young. So we'll, we'll see how the teenage years go. Yeah. Um, but it's just all the anxieties that come with it and all the shit. You're like, well, what the fuck? I don't, he doesn't want to deal with this. I don't want to fucking deal with this. <laughs> well, that's the, like, the um, academic 
value, especially like the Arizona school system. Oh God, I don't to me is like <laughs> it's so meaningless that it's like why would yeah probably just homeschool. I mean, yeah. obviously the social aspect sucks, but I I can honestly say like most. Most of the knowledge I have and the understanding I have, I did not get it from formal education. Yeah, I mean, you can probably point to like a handful of really good teachers where you learned a lot from, right? But that's about or it. Or they encouraged me to use my to, brain in a right. certain way, but yeah. like not, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that sucks. The United States sucks, but we're gonna retreat back to a better time. Once again, back when America was great again, I guess. Oh no, <laughs> didn't seem that great, huh? I mean, oof, no, but I mean. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> white white man was doing all right. Eh? <laughs> Some of them, not these particular white men. <laughs> Some of them were doing okay. In all our lives, there's a fall from innocence, a time after which we are never the same. happened in the summer of 1959. A long time ago. But only if you measure in terms of years. You guys want to go see a dead body? I bet you Sure, we'll be heroes. Yeah. His Stand by me. You know, I shouldn't say that. Even these these white these poor white folk had relatively nice houses and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they had um Gordy family had like a plantation house. (laughs) (laughs) That was weird because it's Oregon. Oh, is it? Is it weird for Oregon to have a plantation house, Kyle? Well, I know the Oregon's very racist, but I didn't think they became a state until after the Civil War. Oh, they did. Yeah, it was way after that. But I was yeah. like, they're like, we're gonna get some of these plantation houses. Oh yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Oregon, Oregon's. I don't know if that's true. Really I'm, just, I'm making it up. Well, apparently, I was reading about. It. There's apparently a direct line from the Ku Klux Klan to the Portland Police Department. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's like, what fucking Oregon? The second <laughs> version of the Klan, right? Not the original. Yeah, the right second there. one. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Stand By Me released the year of my birth, 1986. It was a good year. It was a good movie. I watched it with the kids. Yeah? What did the kids think? They liked it. They liked it a lot. It, was, uh, it came, about a, came out about a month after I was born. It's uh, after the death of one of his friends, a writer recounts a childhood journey with his friends to find the body of a missing boy. So right off the top, when I watched this movie when I was younger, this always seemed like the craziest, grandest adventure for a group of young boys to go on. It did, right? But when <laughs> this I is watched like my it, idea of, a, of like a, a good time as a kid, yeah. But then when I watched it as an adult, well, it seemed like a, an impossible adventure for me as a kid because yeah. like we weren't even really allowed off the block until we were pretty pretty old. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just because there's uh, there's a few more dangers where we were at than um you know leeches and shit. <laughs> but then again, oh you got you there's a creek so we had to plenty of that. Yeah, and then again uh, they are getting hunted down by a gang of older brothers, which is weird. <laughs> That's some white people shit though for sure. <laughs> is it? 
I don't know. That's always like the depiction of like the rural whites is like, yeah, here's the older boys and they're mean to like their own kin. It's like, well, why? I mean, like, he, I guess Gordo's brother was was obviously the exception to that rule, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I never felt like all the people I remember knowing as yeah, there's some 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 people I got think of that didn't fit the mold. But like, there's people around our age that were brothers that like I knew someone in my class, and then there was someone in your class that were they had a decent enough relationship. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It just seems like a real. No, I don't know these kind of white people, man. <laughs> this old timey, like very. Well, I guess it's just like the weird hyper masculinity of the time period or something. I don't know. It just seems weird to me that the gang is like both gangs are fifty percent like brothers, right? Like Vern and Chris Chambers, brother, older brothers, are in mm-hmm. uh, Ace's gang, and it's like. Ace is going to straight up kill Eyeball's brother in front of him. (laughs) Like, where, when would that, how could this ever happen? It just seems like real bumpkin-y country shit to me. Uh, Who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's just movies, but, um. No, I mean, I think it's part of the Stephen King book, too, so. Yeah, it just, that part seems weird to me. But, uh, yeah, thinking about the logistics of it, so they got negligent parents, um, absentee parents. They live in a kind of rural area. They probably hang out in the woods all the time anyways. And it's only like 20, 30 miles. This is like not an impossible goal at all. Especially because no. it's like the 50s and they just like kids run wild back then. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you get killed by your older brother's friends. And no one even know about <laughs> it. Yeah. They'll just leave you by the other boy that's dead in the woods. <laughs> oh, they'll, they'll discover all your bodies at once. I was thinking about it though. The, probably the reason why um, it seems so strange is uh, this, once again, this is about a decade before the Stooges exist. So that's why the the kids are so out of control. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have Iggy yeah, Pop. The calming influence of Iggy Pop. Yeah, they don't have Iggy Pop to believe in. <laughs> so uh, this is, of course, a Stephen King story. As we mentioned, it is uh, The Body. It is considered a novella because it's short. Right. It's longer than a short story, but shorter than a novel. Yeah. And there's also like a novelette, right? I don't understand the distinction, really. And I, I, I write occasionally, so... This is of, and I have an English degree. Oh, God. <laughs> this, this is all outdated jargon, I think. Yeah, yeah. it kind of is. It was just a way of... It's like publishing and shit. Yeah, nowadays there's uh, two types of fiction writing, and they are uh, fan fiction and promotional material. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all there is. <clears throat> I was originally published in his 1982 collection called Different, Different Seasons. Seasons. Yeah, that has a great collection. Uh, the uh, Shawshank Redemption, App Pupil. Well, the other one he was made into a thing too. What is it? You know, you have it written down. Go for it. I don't know if I have wrote the titles down, but yeah, it was out of the five stories that were in it, four of them have been made into movies. There's one of them still hanging in that hasn't been made, but I'm sure <laughs> um, Frank Darabont will get on it eventually. <laughs> Uh, some changes were made to the plot of the film, including changing the setting from 1960 to 1959. I don't know why. That seems weird. And uh, location went from uh, Castle Rock in Maine to Oregon. And the reason why that change is made is because um, in the book, he mentioned at one point, it's mentioned that they're like 30 miles from Portland, Portland, Maine. Mm-hmm. But whoever read it assumed it was Oregon. And so it got changed. <laughs> yep. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Rob Reiner directed this show, right? Yeah, Rob Reiner. Carl Reiner's son, rest in peace. Uh, so in Lisa Rogak's unauthorized biography of Stephen King called Haunted Heart, The Life and <laughs> Times of Stephen King, 
A friend of King's, George McLeod, claimed that King had cribbed the idea for the body from a short story McLeod had written, but these claims are disputed by King. McLeod requested a portion of the royalties from the body and stand by me. King refused. And then McLeod sued because he's not a very good friend, <laughs> which ended their friendship. Since then, King has refused his fans' requests to read their manuscripts for advice, and King, is, King has claimed that he is concerned that there may be further accusations of, plagi- accusations of plagiarism, which, um, I mean, yeah, he's like the most famous, wealthiest fiction writer. Yeah, well, our I mean, I think so. J.K. Rowling is, is by far the wealthiest fiction writer of all time, but uh, he's got to be up there. Stephen King said tra- trans women are women, so um, yeah, well, we were, yeah. he's got a he's got a, a much <laughs> more wealth of um, personal value. <laughs> That's the important thing in the long yeah. run. Yeah. Also, J.K. Rowling is Scottish. <laughs> Everyone always forgets that that she's Scottish. I don't particularly care for the Scots either. <laughs> no, I mean, they're a little bit better than the English, but not much better. This podcast is not a safe place for the British, unless you're Welsh. Welsh, A-OK. Cornish, A-OK. Manx, that's fine, too. <laughs> We're uh, getting really particular here. <laughs> Just that, uh, <laughs> God, the goddamn mythology of the Celts. Um, so <laughs> there's possible autobiographical things, or this is possibly an autobiographical story. Uh, Stephen King mentioned in an interview and in the special feature section of the DVD that the scene with the leeches uh, actually did happen to him when he was a child. Apparently, there's some other stuff in it that is legitimate. And honestly, a lot of Stephen King's life creeps into his uh, his fiction, especially the childhood shirt. Yeah, the whole thing is Gordy's obviously author insert, right? Yeah, Stephen King does that a lot too. <laughs> I don't know if Stephen King's older brother dies, did he? No. His older brother is alive. He had a dead by an older brother. He does oh. have an older brother. No. He's probably just like, hmm, would it suck if my older brother died? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like they had a kind of a, or have a kind of like a Denny uh, Gordy relationship. Although I don't think he's that much older than, than King and than Stephen. Yeah, there's a pretty big age gap when you think about it because he was like in college and Gordy was, there's supposed to be like 12 in it. Yeah, it seems like it's like a four or five year. Yeah, they're 12, they're at least 16. It seems like there's at least a four or five year difference. More than that if Denny's already in college. Right. Yes, that's huh. true. Well, in the, the well, short story too, I think Denny was died in like basic training for Vietnam or some shit like that, right? 59? Oh, maybe. Yeah, because Vietnam went forever, huh? <laughs> Fucking Vietnam. Jesus Christ. Plus it would have been, it was 60 originally, remember? Oh, yeah, that's true. Man, America, oh, death cult, death cult. I guess it's always been this way. No, no need to be concerned. <laughs> Just because it's always it's always been bad, so it doesn't matter. It's bad now, no problem. Uh, so in '86, March of '86, Columbia Pictures were concerned that the original title, "The Body," was misleading. I guess maybe thinking it'll be like, "Oh, that's a horror movie." Yeah, plus you want to by Stephen King at this point. Yeah, suppose. Oh, it's Spookum. <clears throat> Uh, they renamed the film Stand By Me. And according to screenwriter Renald Gideon, that's a cool name, the body sounded like either a sex film, a bodybuilding film, or another Stephen King horror film. Rob came up with the Stand By Me and ended up being the least unpopular opinion. So Rob Reiner came up with the title. Uh, but it's a bodybuilding film, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I could see a uh, sex film. Russ Myers presents The Body. The body. Ooh. 
my personal theory is um they wanted to use the Ben E. King song and then uh, use it as nostalgia bait to get the, the, the boomers in the crowd in, into the theaters. <laughs> it's already set in nineteen fifty nine. You don't have to do much more, more than that. <laughs> yeah, but when you hear but like that song is like powerful. So they people hear it in the trailer and be like, Oh, gotta get in there. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. So uh, this film, as mentioned, is directed by Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner developed such a good working relationship with Stephen King after this movie that uh, King agreed to sell the film rights to Misery only if Reiner directed the film. And uh, Rob Reiner's production company, uh, which is relatively famous, you don't see too much anymore, but Castle Rock Entertainment is named after this movie and technically the book. Yeah, so Stephen King uses Castle Rock City all the fucking time in his his writings. It's a little bit spookier than Fraggle Rock. <laughs> well, slightly. Less Muppets. Not quite as terrifying as Plymouth Rock. <laughs> uh, Rob, his stories are always like, you know, Derry, Castle Rock. And those main, are the main ones. And main. then Sidewander, Sidewinder, which is Colorado. Whoa. That's about it. It's always in Maine. The Shining's not in Maine, though, right? That's also in Colorado. That's Colorado, Sidewinder. Misery, mm. Colorado, Sidewinder. Mm. Huh. He loves Colorado and Maine. That's it. Nothing else exists in King's America. Uh, Rob Reiner is the son of Estelle and Carl Reiner, who were both famous entertainers. I think we, we talked about Carl the other day because uh, he died. Uh, womp womp. Womp womp. I was, just, I was saying the other day, or a few months ago, maybe that all these people are going to start dying, right? And yeah, Mel I Brooks mean, they're all, and... they're all real old, so it's about that time. Mel Brooks, mm. Ennio Morricone. Uh, so Rob Reiner has had uh, he's made a lot of really uh, none of them are particularly my favorite films you know what I mean they wouldn't but they're always like good films yeah but they're always really good and they're uh, definitely really really part of like the zeitgeist you know what I mean so Spinal Tap most people are familiar with this Spinal Tap uh, he of course did the Princess Bride, which is a flop in the box office, but now everyone fucking knows. <laughs> it's not a flop in my heart. Yeah. Uh, when Harry Met Sally, Misery, as we mentioned, and a few good men, a few good men with uh, oh, it's Jackie. <laughs> me. Uh, uh, my you pers- the truth. My personal opinion is Stand by Me is probably the well, maybe not his best movie, but the movie that I like the most that he directed. Yeah. And turns out Rob Reiner agrees with us because out of all the films he has directed, he considers Stand By Me as his masterpiece and his favorite film. <laughs> He's quoted as saying, Stand By Me was a unique directing experience because I gave, ideas came from everywhere. Doing a period piece about the world of childhood is an adventure. Each day on set, people from the crew threw their own childhood memories into the production. That's, that's filmmaking for you. It's a collaborative process sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, supposedly it stays pretty true to the book, so I don't yeah, know I mean, if the, I don't yeah, know if the suggestions there. made it into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things with Stephen King is most of uh, his his uh, his his works have not been adapted very truthfully or uh, accurately. Oh yeah, he loves this one though. <laughs> not it's not another, not another shining example here. Nope. <laughs> Nope, nope, nope. Uh, but the this the summer they filmed this summer movie about being kids in the summer was a pretty cool summer for the kids who were in the movie. What kids are in the movie? Shockingly, 
all these kids are still went on to be like, you know all these kids yeah pretty <laughs> successful actors which is crazy for a kids movie uh, all right off the top it's uh will wheaton who plays gordy this is uh the first time so this is the this first, the first time, time i grew to hate will wheaton this is oh. the first and only time i like <laughs> will wheaton <laughs> That might be the case, yeah. I that might be uh, true for me. Too. Yeah, but this is the first time watching the movie where I understood that Gordy's name was probably short for Gordon. Because uh, and I remember as a kid, I would always be like, "Why is his nickname Fat?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was like, "Why isn't Vern the fat kid called Gordy or Gordita?" <laughs> I didn't get it, but now I get it. I was like, "Oh, it's Gordon or something." <laughs> I got one of those dumb names. Yeah. So Will Wheaton does Stand By Me. Then he's in Star Trek, The Next Generation. He does voice acting and consumer nerd shit. He's, like, famous for being a nerd. Right? He's on the internet doing nerd shit. Mm-hmm. He, like, geek and sundry, the people that do Critical Role. No, I think Critical Role does their own shit now, but yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, well, he was... He, he did some, like, board game show for him, and then they... he I don't know. I don't know. He just—he's just fucking a nerd on the internet doing nerd shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kyle. If I could get paid for that at this point, I'll dig it. Yeah, I guess. I just—he just—he just, um, just fucking the least offensive example of nerd he's, culture you can find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem like he's a dick or anything. I just don't think I'd want to hang out with him because anyone who's like their whole personality is just seems to be based around like the products they consume. Not into it. That's why I had to stop watching TikTok. TikTok? I've never watched TikTok. Oh, I watched I'm um, an old man, so. I watched like TikTok, uh, um, like Supercuts, because sometimes the kids are funny, right? I used to be in the Vine. Kids are funny on that. No, no. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, what it is is there's some people are funny. Right? Yeah. You got you to gotta weed out the chuff. It's like the thing we talked about with, uh, with comic books the other day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the problem, though, is... um. Uh, these Zoomer kids, nothing against them, whatever. They're doing the same shit that every generation has done. But, man, they're just fucking consumer whores. <laughs> fucking every, everything is just about, like, fucking status symbols and products and brands and shit. Like I said, can't hold against them because it's happened every fucking generation on Earth since, I don't know, TV. Since consumerism. Yeah. yeah, probably since radio. Yeah, but it's just, it's fucking lame. So Will Wheaton attributed the film's success to the director's casting choices. Oh, also another thing about TikTok. Like I said, I watched the supercuts for the jokes, but I guess the trend now is like just for girls in their bikinis to like throw ass and shit. But since TikTok, I mean, that's cool. Like girls expressing their sexuality is fine with me. TikTok skews really young. And I'm like fucking an old man. So I feel creepy watching that shit now. So <laughs> oh, I don't watch TikTok anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's just weird. Plus, I heard the Chinese government uh, data mining app. Yeah, just like all everything else. <laughs> no, no, the other ones are, are mining for like either private or U.S. corporations or for the U.S. Oh, government. Yeah, that's yeah. different. I'm sure the TikTok uh, data gets TikTok is a little bit more egregious, from what I understand. But it's I mean, not. it's <laughs> I don't I don't give a fuck about any of it. It's all fucking. Yeah, it's, at well, this I, point, does it really fucking matter? Yeah, I do give a fuck about it. It's just so all encompassing of every you can't do social media apparatus. Like fucking, yeah, it's not like you can't have a phone pay me now at this point i mean i'm sure some of the, like the tiktok data gets back to u.s corporations anyways oh definitely yeah. i wish <laughs> uh I, I guess this is part of the white privilege but i was about to say i wish i could live in 1959 <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the white privilege. I remember like yeah. one time, uh, like you know, there's all these stupid icebreaker conversations you have at, uh, oh, yeah, at new jobs or school, at new and jobs and shit. It's like this is like when we went to like an annual meeting or something for, the, for like my the team I was on, and like the icebreakers. If you time travel back in time, um, where would you want to go to? And there's a black dude on my team, and he's like, I don't know, there any time safe for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Which is like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty risky. But at the same time, if you're sick of technology, 1959, it's a sweet time to be a white man. I mean, I'll probably, I could die in Vietnam, so that'll be cool. No, you just got to go to school or something. Can't, here's, <laughs> I can't afford to go to school now. I don't know if I'd be able to afford to go to school back then. It's like then, $2. $2. <laughs> $2. <laughs> $2. Those kids got collected enough money to go to for two semesters of college from their pocket change. I saw them do it. Sometimes I feel like I'm one of those guys that should have died in a war anyway, so that way I can just <laughs> always be remembered remember as like how all the potential I had when I was like 21. <laughs> Instead of all the wasted potential you Yeah, had. before I squandered it all. I <laughs> was <laughs> <laughs> oh, so tall and handsome and he could sing and everyone believed in him, his poetry and his drawings and he had such big dreams he was going to change the world and He's got taken away too young by the goddamn fascists. I guess that's nope. the, uh, the counter-argument to like the wasted potential of, of war. <laughs> yeah, it's, a lot of those guys probably aren't going to do shit. A lot of those guys are probably going to be lazy assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Still on the couch watch TV, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck <the> troops. <laughs> Will Wheaton said he has attributed the film's success to the director's casting choices. He says, Rob found four young boys who basically were the characters we played. I was awkward and nerdy and shy and uncomfortable in my own skin and really, really sensitive. And River was cool and really smart and passionate and even at that age, kind of like a father figure to some of us. Jerry was one of the funniest people I'd ever seen in my life, either before or since. And Corey was unbelievably angry and in an incredible amount of pain and had an absolute terrible relationship with his parents. Wow, that sounds uh, amazing. Except for that last part. I'm sure everything turned out all right for Corey Feldman. Yeah, you know, what's he doing these days? Um, a weird, like, pop Michael Jackson impersonation, but own music. Um, I mean, he's out there do, still doing He's trying to get it. It's not good, but he's he's doing it. He and also I mean, had that, like, pay-per-view tell-all thing. Well, he no, he was he, had, he was getting funding for it. I don't know. If no, he actually aired. I heard. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he definitely... Um, he's a victim of like the scummy Hollywood yeah, shit for sure. 100%. But I feel terribly bad for him. I don't want to clown on him too much. That's what I mean. It's like, he's still out there trying his best. And I mean, I, I would applaud him for that and, you know, stayed in great shape. So good for you, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're done talking. That's the important about, thing. Yeah. Well, I just mean like he looks healthy most of the time you see him, you know, I'm sure like he's, he seems like he parties and stuff, but he usually looks pretty healthy. Which, uh, I don't know, maybe he's able to battle his demons as much as anyone could hope for. But uh, we're done talking about Will Wheaton, Star Trek nerd. It's time to talk about a real cool guy. Joaquin Phoenix's older brother, Rufus. Phoenix. <laughs> uh, he made it to the ripe old age of 23 and he died in Halloween 1993. I think most people Where was he at? He's at the Viper Room. The Viper Room. Outside. Outside specifically. Johnny Depp was on stage, as I recall. Yep. So, uh, this movie is, is uh, he was the potential of River Phoenix is like, we were just talking about like if I died <laughs> in a war, except for he had actually accomplished things by the time he was 23. 
But everyone at the time, it was like, oh, shit, this is going to be the fucking dude. Uh, he's young Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. Uh, he got Oscar nominated for My Own Private Idaho. Um, running on Empty, got Oscar nomination. You know, he's doing things. He's out there hustling. Um, his brother, Joaquin, nobody at the time. Seems like Joaquin lived in the shadow for a long ass time. But now it's like, oh, okay, Joaquin. <laughs> You're doing your own thing. <laughs> You're the <I'm>, Joker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Joaquin ended up being one of the greatest actors of our generation. So. Yeah, no one really, honestly, the people don't really talk about River Phoenix anymore. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, he just, his star burned too bright. But uh, let's talk about the uh, Phoenix family a little bit. So he's born River Jude Bottom. Bottom's a funny last name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, His parents named him after the River of Life and Herman Hesse's classic spiritual novel, Siddhartha. And Jude, his middle name, after the Beatles song. My favorite Matthew McConaughey movie. Hey Jude? Siddhartha. Matthew McConaughey's in a Siddhartha movie? Isn't it? I don't know. Didn't they make a didn't Matthew McConaughey make a sit out of the movie? I didn't see it. I'm sure it was know. terrible. That one seems off my radar. I watched Killer Joe the other day. He makes a woman simulate fellatio on a, um, a chicken wing that he's got in front of his crotch. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So he's named after a Beatles song. Um, once again, uh, people weren't too familiar with the Stooges. Otherwise, his middle name would probably be something like Iggy. Um, his family were member, members of um, what was called, the, on the internet, a lot of places refer to it as a uh, Christian sect, but it is absolutely a cult that um, had quite a bit of child molestation, sexual assault, oh, yeah, all the yeah, crazy yeah. No stuff, called the Children of God. Uh, they did, the family did leave the group in, the, in 1977 and moved back to the United States. This is when they changed their last name to Phoenix because they, uh, you know, Phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> rising from the ashes of uh, the child molestation cult. Yeah, I mean, they, I, did, I did a little bit of digging. There doesn't seem to be a lot of information about them being victims of the cult, but the cult was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, the Christian sect. It still operates today. So um, watch out. Yeah, be careful. I've this is I've been saying it for a few years now, but this is the, the absolute perfect opportunity to for cults to make a comeback. So be careful out there, everybody. <laughs> yeah, there's only one cult you should be listening to: VHS cult. <laughs> VHS cult. Once again, we're not a death cult; we're a life cult. We are a responsible sex cult. That's what we are. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's like about a dozen songs about River Phoenix because uh, he was actually a pretty good musician. Was in a bunch of bands. He was friends with a, a lot band, of famous There's a couple musicians. bands named after him. Yeah, River Phoenix uh, might have had like a music career too. He was definitely like really keyed into like the L.A. rock scene. Uh, but that that shit's corny anyway. So who knows? Um, the days before his death, he embarked on a massive drug binge, or what I used to call a weekend. <laughs> Except for he smoked crack cocaine. That's like the one of the only drugs I haven't done. Well, uh, maybe later. You still got a bucket list. <laughs> I, yeah, I got plenty of time. Maybe when you're 80. Still only crack. Smoked some crack, did some heroin, uh, a little bit of regular cocaine. Uh, and <laughs> I wrote here, Will Wheaton is a bitch because he wasn't doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> was he there? <laughs> no, but he was. He was on. He was doing Star Trek nerd shit at the time when he could have been fucking getting down like River Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to die, uh, young man? 
Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the the goal is you power through it, and then in your thirties you make a failing podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's American success story. What happened to me? Uh, you got a degree and stuff. Um, that's like supposed to help you be a, a good member of society. You got kids and a wife. I think my problem is that I don't. You got a house. Yeah. I don't know. You got a lot more shit than I do. So I guess like if I would stay on the straight and narrow a little bit more, maybe I could have some stuff. <laughs> Uh, this, there's an uh, apocryphal story that River's last words were supposedly to the uh, paparazzos. The paparazzi outside was. Wow, uh, I'm sorry. I think I made a mistake. <laughs> no, <he> said, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> he said, uh, "No paparazzi. I want anonymity." Although the quote has become something of an urban legend. In fact, according to witnesses, which includes the nearby paparazzo, River Fuck stumbled- Will Wheaton. <laughs> River stumbled out of the nightclub and fell hard face first onto the sidewalk uh, before spasming violently against the pavement for eight minutes, never having uttered a word, which is uh, not a way to go. Yeah, <laughs> when it's laid out like that, it's not, it's kind of a bummer. It reminds me of uh, the way it's the way it was written, it, it reminds me of uh, the end of Assassination of Jesse James when uh, oh, it's, it's just over, Robert Ford gets killed, and like the narrator's like. He would just look up into the sky, trying to make words that would never come. <laughs> Say, oh, shit. And then there would be no funeral cortege for Robert Ford. No people, no one would pay a nickel to take a picture with his corpse. <laughs> the piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a month before his death, he had expressed an interest in starring in the Basketball Diaries. Ah, uh, Leo, you piece of shit. Yep, Leonardo DiCaprio snatched that role. Guess what? Um, I'm, I'm going to say here... Leonardo DiCaprio's entire career lies on oh, River Phoenix dying. Yeah. River Phoenix had to die for Leonardo DiCaprio to fly. Um, here's a cool quote from him about Stand By Me. He says, I realized that what I was creating was going to live on far longer than anything of me as a person. The characters are more powerful than the person that creates them. Um, there's He actually has a lot of really interesting quotes. It does seem like he was a really thoughtful, interesting person. So, I mean... That happens sometimes, though. Sometimes you just wake <laughs> up. But it would have been interesting if he... Thoughtful, I, interesting people die in gutters and, and make nothing of themselves all the time. Sometimes they do it even after they made something of themselves. Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good example. <laughs> <laughs> he literally died in a gutter. <laughs> um, uh, another troubled in- individual, Corey Feldman. One of the Corys. We all know him. We all love him. He's one of the Frog Brothers and Lost Boys. He's Mouth and the Goonies. He's Corey Feldman. He's a cool. He was a cool kid. He's back. Last time we saw him was Lost Boys. He's back, baby. <laughs> but he kind of always plays the same character. I mean, like the um, Mouth is not much different than than Toad, really, <laughs> or than Todd. Yeah. I don't know. There's obviously like a deeper like pain to this character. Right. Like I do think Corey Feldman was a good actor. There's a lot a lot going on with his performance in this movie. It's actually like really shocking how good of an actor most of these kids are. Uh Jerry O'Connell's just comic relief, you know, but uh still like yeah, this these kids these characters these kids seem to like have yeah, like, these kids are going places. They seem to have like rich and internal monologues and they really understand the characters or at least understand themselves. It's very interesting. Uh, Feldman himself has stated in several interviews that out of all the characters he's played, Teddy was actually the closest to his personality and personal life at the time. 
because yeah, once again, his parents sucked, um, and they kind of threw him to the wolves. That is Hollywood lifestyle, society, culture. Well, can't think of anybody else that happened to. Uh, the other Corey. Oh, <laughs> uh, Drew Barrymore for a long time. Yo, yeah, oh, uh, Feldman recalled how his home life translated translated into his on-screen character. He's quoted as saying, most kids aren't thinking they're going to get hit by their parents because they're not doing well enough in school, which will prevent them from getting a work permit, permit, which will prevent them from being an actor. So, I don't think he had a very good life. No, it doesn't sound fun. Yeah. When you're, when you're, when you're making money off your kid. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know, he liked acting though. Cause I was going to say, it makes you feel shitty watching it, some of his movies. But then it's like, well, no, he liked doing it. It was his craft, you know. Man, you know how, like, sometimes uh, Quentin Tarantino is, like, brought in an old actor and kind of revitalized the seriousness of their career? Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see someone do that with the Feldman. I don't think he's got him anymore. I don't know. I'm going to get in contact with him. <laughs> I think if I email him, he'll want to read, it, like, a screenplay or something. <laughs> yeah, I 100% think he would. <laughs> uh, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> All right, Jerry O'Connell is next. He plays Vern, the um, fat kid. who He should have been called Gordy. What's the deal? Uh, <laughs> uh, Jerry O'Connell is, of course, famous for appearing in Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> that famous movie about, famously about a talking kangaroo. I think it's about two hours of nothing but talking kangaroo. Yeah, so did you know that movie was originally supposed to be a somewhat serious like crime thriller with a kangaroo in it? And then they made it a cartoon talking kangaroo? And the only talking hanger was only in it for like five minutes. Yeah, because <laughs> it was an afterthought. Like, this movie sucks. Maybe kids will see it. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have Hollywood. such a vague memory of that movie. Yeah. Um, so, Jerry O'Connell does a great job. Um, like I said, he does I know have him from his... something. He, I, he's got a brother. You know him also... from your, your local UCB theater. He's, his brother is also an actor. I forget what his name is. Jerry, John, John, Jim. I don't Jeffrey. know. They, they look really similar. I don't have any hot facts about Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, he was, became somewhat of a sex symbol. Or at least like people like, After this movie, that's a handsome man. But in this movie, he's just a fat kid. Or a chubby kid. He's, he's, he's gordita. Uh, rather than start shooting right away, Reiner put the four main actors together for two weeks to play games from Voila Spolin's improvisation for the theater and build camaraderie, which led to a real friendship between them and several one-shot takes where the young actors sit their cues perfectly. Will Wheaton would recall, when you saw the four of us being comrades, that was real life, not acting. So that's pretty smart of Rob Reiner. Seems like uh, he knows how to make a movie, huh? And Will Wheaton would go on to say, I love crack cocaine. No, that's for Phoenix. Yeah, but no, he loves it too. Because it's oh. camaraderie. <laughs> oh, yeah, we all love crack. In this gang, we all love crack. We're cracking. Oh, wait, we forgot to mention one really important actor. Kiefer? Who, that's right, <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. That's my guy. You're a pirate, Kiefer. <laughs> oh, explains everything. <laughs> explains everything. Fucking love Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland when he's young. I love him when he's old. I love that Jack. <laughs> you, you, this son of a bitch. Muscle, I'm shooting son of a bitch. Um, I probably mentioned in the Lost Boys episode, I remember the whole episode I was trying to convince you that David was the hero. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so. Are you going to try it again here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, there's not as much material in this one. He's kind of clearly an asshole. <laughs> but uh, Keeper Sutherland in Lost Boys is like one of my um, like lifelong like style icons. So uh, Keeper Sutherland has always held a special place in my heart. My entire life has been the never-ending uh, search to uh, achieve Keeper Sutherland's style hood in The Lost Boys and always coming up tragically short. <laughs> no, I mean I look better than him most of the time because it's he's pretty outdated. Why is he wearing like three coats? That's weird. <laughs> but you know, it's a good jumping off point. The attitude of it. He's also only like five eight. Apparently his dad's like six four. His half brothers are all over six feet. Why is he so small? Too much cigarettes as a kid. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you better believe it, buddy. To keep in character while off camera, Kiefer would uh pick on Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, and Jerry O'Connell. So that's <laughs> What a nice guy. (laughs) It's probably fun for those kids. Uh, At one point, though, they did uh, cover Kiefer Sutherland's car in mud. Oh, that's what he thinks it was. Oh, it's Dookie? Yeah, it was Dookie, all right. So here's a quote about from Rob Reiner about the story in general, where he says, In the book, it was about four boys. But once I made Gordy the central focus of the piece, then it made sense to me. This movie was all about a kid who didn't feel good about himself and whose father didn't love him. Or his mother. And through the experience of going to find, she handed him mashed potatoes. That's love. <laughs> yeah, that's before his brother died. Though after that, no more love. <laughs> and through the experience of going to find the dead body, and his friendship with these boys, he began to feel empowered and went on to become a very successful writer. He basically became Stephen King. Uh, a lot of it has to do with River Phoenix's character, Chris Chambers, giving him solid advice. <laughs> he's out there being a bro. Yeah, he's just like, listen. Your parents don't know shit. This town doesn't know shit. Just do what you want. And uh, I, was, I, was, I agree. I think it was more to it than that. I don't know. That's, that's the gist of it. Yeah, he said more words, and there's probably more depth to it. But for the young kids listening I cover the there, important points. For the young kids listening out there, nothing matters. You can do what you want. People just have to deal with it. Sometimes, though, the cops are the people that deal with it. And that's not good. <laughs> So you got to be careful about that one. Um, so the writers incorporated uh, Reiner's suggestions about focusing more on Gordy, and they produced a new script that was finished in December 1984. But unfortunately, day be- days, just days before they started shooting, Embassy, the production company in charge of the film, they were sold to Columbia Pictures, and the, they, they planned to cancel the production. Holy shit, what happened? How did we get Stand By Me? Norman Lear. Well, that's getting crazy. Yeah. <laughs> One of the co-owners, embassy and developer of All in the Family, gave $7.5 million of his own money to complete the film, citing his faith in Reiner and the script. Oh, Obviously, my God. This, well, is a, this shit doesn't happen anymore. Well, Norman Lear is king of sitcoms. Norman Lear is really good friends with Carl Reiner, who's directing the movie, Rob Reiner. <laughs> yeah. So it is just kind of... Uh, yeah, this, yeah. Shit, this shit Old does boy. happen. <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, I got a little, it's a little bit more coded than this, but yeah, yeah. I guess that's well, yeah, this, this is just like a real uh, open, honest engagement with it. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, it's like, oh, you know, we just, oh, we made this movie at a loss. <laughs> no, no, you come in for this, uh, this meeting. You, you don't, don't worry about being prepared. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Principal photography began in June and it ended in August. So, hell yeah, it's really summertime when they're filming this shit. And Ooh, guess what? It was, it was hot. The greatest summer of these four young boys' life, lives in real life, too. Check it out. River Phoenix lost his virginity during filming. Ooh la la. What? He was 12. No, he the was. How old is he? <laughs> he's 15. Oh, that's a little bit of a shame. He's about to be 16, yeah. 
So Rob Ryan remembered that Phoenix came into work one day with this big smile on his face after spending the night with a family friend, which I, well, I don't know what that relationship could be. It sounds kind of strange. Yeah. Is. <laughs> uh, he wrote to Reiner on a piece of paper. It finally happens. And Rob Reiner was probably like, yeah, boy." <laughs> and Rob Reiner's like, you're 15. What do you mean finally? <laughs> yeah. Like what? <laughs> You've been waiting uh, like two or three years, maybe since you had puberty. <laughs> okay, buddy. And uh, also, it was a big summer for Corey Feldman. He was uh, drinking alcohol, kissed his first girl off screen, and smoked pot for the first time during that fateful summer of 1985. Uh, he didn't get his, his dick wet. He was younger. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the pot thing is okay. Yeah. I mean, you can start smoking weed about 14, I guess. <laughs> Seems fine. <laughs> I think there is some research that says you really shouldn't do it heavily until you're like 18, 19. Man, fucking when research. I'm I'm tired of all this science shit. Like, we got to care about science to validate <laughs> trans people and stuff. No, fucking people do what they want. Ah, you don't care about this science shit. You don't need to wear masks. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Let kids smoke weed through their masks. Give do them what you want. Give them blunt holes. <laughs> Just put holes in it. That's fine. Um, yeah, but fucking, that's dope. This is like a chill-ass summer. Like, this is probably like the fucking coolest summer of fucking all time. This is like real summer shit. That's what I love about summertime. Summertime, we get wild. Uh, this year, of course, is the year without party rocking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so since Labor Day in 1959 was on a Monday, September 7th, the bulk of the film takes place from Friday, September 4th, to Sunday, September 6th, 1959. And there's even a newspaper in the film showing Wednesday, September 4th. And it's, that means it's accurate. It's a nice little touch, little detail. Makes it feel real. It's like, oh, did this really happen back in 1959 in Castle Rock, Oregon? Which is Castle Rock, Oregon, I don't think is a real place. I don't think Castle Rock, Maine is a real place. Is Derry real? No. It's supposed oh. to be Portland. Oregon? Yeah, I think it's a stand-in for Portland. He doesn't actually write about Portland. Because he wants to write about how awful Portland is without saying, hey, Portland's awful. Portland, Oregon? Yeah. No, not Portland, Maine? I mean, Portland, Maine. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Bastard. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about Maine, but Portland, Neither Oregon I've seems I've never been bad. there. <laughs> Portland, Oregon seems pretty bad. Not for lack of trying, though. It just seems like uh, the culture, the, the long-standing culture in Portland is pretty fucking weird. It just bleeds through into everything. So what do you think? Um, if when you were like 12 or something, if one of your friends was like, hey, you want to see a dead body, you think you'd go for it? I think I would. I'd be scared. I'd be scared for sure, but I think I'd do it. At 12, I'd probably be like, nah, nah, I don't want to see a dead body. Well, you know I mean, because that's like, what's the mystery in it? It's a fucking dead body. Oh, it's just like the adventure of it, I think. Like trying, just the limit experience, right? It's just like trying a new thing. <laughs> just pushing myself to the limits. But then as they're walking to it on the tracks and Vern's like, what if he's all like cut up and bloody and shit? And I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, that'd be pretty gross to see as a kid. Just like a mutilated other kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kind of allude to that at the end where, where they see the body. And he's like, you know, he's, he's not sleeping. He's not sick. He's just he's just dead. Yeah. Uh, plus, at 12, I've, I've definitely already seen dead bodies, right? Like at wakes and stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. You'd have seen that. That's yeah. a little bit different, though, isn't it? I don't know. A, a body in the wild? Although, I guess. Someone you know. Yeah, and they're also, they make them look terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, try their best. Terrible. I get it, but it's like, oof. oof. I don't know about all that. 
Human beings are pretty <laughs> weird. Um, a lot of uh, psycholo- psychologists now think it's actually good to spend time with the, the body of the deceased that you're close with. So I guess wakes are good. They're always kind of weird when I was a kid, but it was always like all the relatives I didn't know very well anyways. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, huh, weird. Except for, well, one of them at that point in our life at 12 would have been our grandma, huh? But I don't really know her that well. I don't know. Hanging out with the body seems normal, I guess. I just like, what would you do? You know what I mean? Because like the, the thing is like, yeah, if you spend time with the body, it's like usually blah, blah, blah. And like you spend a little time with the body at like the funeral and the wake and stuff. But like, I think they're talking more about like, you gotta like hang out with the body. What would you do? Just like, chill out and watch TV. Like someone on Twitter was like, yeah, we watched the Oscars with my dad after he died. And it was actually really healing and blah, blah, blah. I'm not casting judgment on him. Like, maybe it is, like, a really good thing. But I was just like, hmm. Seems I don't know I want to. Seems kind of strange. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's right or wrong? Humans just gotta do shit. See how it goes. Yeah, I mean, as long as it, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, what's the fuck's the difference? Yeah, exactly. I guess that's my point about everything. Fuck it. I'm in a weird mood this week. I'm not, like, angry and super upset like I have been, like, the last few weeks, but <clears throat> I'm real bored and uh, got just, like, a, I don't know. <laughs> my my philosophy's all jumbled. It just seems like everything's, like, too much work to think about. So I just say, ah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm kind of, like, overwhelmed right now. Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing is, like, fucking, I don't, just, I don't know what's going to happen, like, in the short term or the long term anymore. So, so yeah, well, fuck it, I guess. Plus, it's just, can't ever fucking plan for anything anyways, right? Well, this no. kind of happens. Stupid. I'm just going to get in the fucking river and see where <laughs> life takes me. <laughs> we go fucking find a dead body. God <laughs> They're out there. Yeah, aside from the dead body thing, though, this would be a chill-ass adventure to go on as a kid. And the leech part's a little rough. I don't know if I ever cared I'm about I'm okay with leeches. I don't want a dick leech. Is what I'm, I'm okay with anything but the dick leech. Or the testicle leech. I think I would prefer a dick leech over a testicle leech. I don't know if that actually bothers me. Like, I don't know. I might be into it. What? Ugh. Yeah, I try, like, leeching and stuff as, like, a sexual act. I don't know. You don't feel it, though. They got that numbing shit on there. Yeah, but it's just, like, the um, like the connection with your partner or something. I don't know. I have, like, weird... um. What part? The leech? No. Like, well, I mean, I would do it with a partner. Like, they, I'd, have the, I'd have them bleed me. I have like weird uh, kinks with intimacy, which <laughs> which I guess is strange. Like that's why I like shibari and kimbaku and stuff, like the rope tying stuff, because mm-hmm. the intimacy of it, like the safety. Uh, you know what I mean? Like all my kinks revolve around intimacy, like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> like <laughs> knife play. I don't like blood or anything, but like the the intimacy and like the trust. <laughs> <laughs> weird, right? <laughs> huh. I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah, it takes all I, always kind of, I always try to think about like what the where the origin of like the people's kinks and fetishes come from because usually there's like I feel like there's usually some reason. Yeah, for, so right? like some immediate... of it's just like genetic and like hormones and shit like that. Yeah, but usually it's like media consumption around when you're starting to experience your sexuality. That's why like there's a lot of furries now because of like the um, anthropomorphized content around like people on the cusp of puberty, like from our generation, right? Right. So it's like yeah, it, so it makes sense. I don't know where I got the other ones from. I don't know. I've always liked horror movies and stuff. You see a lot of women tied up and bloody in horror movies. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> but then I like don't want to hurt women. Hmm. I don't know. It's it, it's rich tapestry. 
This movie made me feel some deep feelings. I like movies where uh, childhood is treated in a way that I remember childhood being. Where like there is like a lot of kind no, of no. Well, they treat childhood uh, realistically or honestly. Yeah, because. It's a lot of times it's like, well, it's the most magical time of all. But I remember being like pretty melancholic most of my childhood, you know, not like sad and depressed. That wasn't until like adolescence, but you know, like sometimes it's like scary and sad to be a kid. You don't even really know why. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like, it just it's like shit goes on and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so I like the meditative, like um, navel gazing nature of the movie, where it's like, yeah, the kids got problems. I mean, we had pretty like chill childhoods. I didn't really have too many problems. But, you know, it's just like, you know, sometimes it's not that simple to be a kid. And I like when movies are honest about it. Yeah, I guess the, honest, the most honest way to put it is just not, it's not simple to grow up. Yeah, you know, like fucking, there's so many like kids' adventure movies where it's just uh, just about the external, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah, like we got to defeat fucking Ivan Ooze or... Um, we got to help Ernest defeat the trolls because the only fears that exist in the world are external threats. But this movie's all basically internal. That's good shit. Thank you, Rob Reiner. I guess Stephen King mostly, but Rob Reiner did a good job. I also really like the Benny King song, Stand By Me. <laughs> Everyone likes the Benny <laughs> King song. The uh, John Lennon versions of it is really good, too. Nah, that's true. like how wild he gets with it. He's like, oh, I'm going back to my teddy boy days. <laughs> Stand By Me. <laughs> Please, Yoko, mom. Yoko. Oh, you went a different direction. I oh, I guess <laughs> the mom one might actually be more accurate. <laughs> uh, so, other people also think this movie is good, but there's also some people that think this movie not so good. <laughs> Am I about to hate uh, Siskel and Ebert again? I just got one uh, quote that's a negative one because I it was interesting, but it's also like shut up. Reviewing the film for the New York Times, Walter Goodman opined that Reiner's direction was rather self-conscious, looking constantly at his audience. Goodman called the film a trite narrative and said that Reiner's direction hammers in in every obvious element in an obvious script. A trite narrative? One of the movies that are about kids going to see a dead body. (laughs) What the fuck is this man talking about? Yeah. His arguments, like, don't... They don't add up to this movie. Like, maybe the directorial style is very straightforward and it is a little bit, like... I do think there's like winking to the audience, right? Yeah. Like, you know, hey, remember this? Remember this? But I'm um, a little bit. I don't know. It's just, like modern examples are so egregious that like I go back and watch oh, Stand yeah. By Me. It's like, oh, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm, yeah. I mean, it's not as terrible as like Stranger Things or any of the nostalgia bait we have now at all. I'm not making that comparison, but there's stuff in it where it's just like, remember the good old days, but there's an earnestness to it rather than. Yeah. Uh, it don't seem that great. Well, yeah, well, because it's the fucking Stephen King. He's telling the truth. Stephen, Stephen King, King was telling the truth. Well, he, he said trans women are women, Kyle. I believe, <laughs> I believe J.K. I believe you Roy. look at science or genetics or something. Something. Yeah, that's what the, well, like, I don't need science to tell me that people matter. I don't need science to validate my existence or other people's existence. People do what they want, and they're beautiful at it. Stephen King understands. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Stephen King himself was very impressed with the film. And on the special features of the 25th anniversary Blu-ray set, King indicated that he considered the film to be the first successful translation to film of any of his works. Yeah, that might be fair. I mean, I, mean, he, I don't love The Shining as a movie, but it's not very successful at translating his, his book. Yeah, um, that's The Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time, one of the greatest movies ever made. 
I didn't ever finish the book, so I don't know. But uh, I guess this one's exactly like the novella, or pretty close. That's pretty close. I mean, I the like the uh, endings for like Teddy and Vern and and uh, and everybody are, are different, and like there's just slight changes, but mm-hmm. it's, it's basically the same story. That's the thing, I guess. The, well, his problem with The Shining itself is that the spirit of his book isn't in the movie, right? Because his yeah. problem was that the he thought the movie was mean. So this movie that seems to really encompass the spirit of Stephen King's book and like a lot of Stephen King's work, to be honest. Because even like the it, it is really like yeah, I mean it is kind of just like if you took Stand by Me and, and made it a horror movie. I mean, everyone makes jokes out of like the um, group sex scene. In yeah, yeah, that's the it, the age well, well, but or it wasn't great at the time, I'm sure. Well, yeah, it's, it's very uh, odd. But, Weird choice, but yeah. you know that's what cocaine does to you. Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> part of me though is like, yeah, it's weird because it's kids, but it's also like, um, like I understand like the idea behind yeah, it. It's like, like the, the apex of puberty, like the going from a kid to adult and all that shit. But you know, well, then it's also like a permanent bond too, right? Right. Like you, but it's also better ways to to with. do it in, for uh, with with twelve and thirteen year olds than uh. I don't know. Sex. They're not gonna forget that shit. <laughs> no, they definitely didn't forget it. <laughs> that's the whole point. Point. Uh, of it. Yeah, but that was because of magic, like daring, um, it magic, <laughs> the ghost lights or deadlines. <laughs> yeah, but in normal circumstances, I don't think you forget that shit. No, I'm sure uh, as a little girl, if your first sexual experience is with uh, a group of boys, it's probably not something you forget. I don't think the dudes would forget it either. Oh, I'm sure no one forgets their first <laughs> sexual experience. That's, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I guess. Ah, damn it! <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Now weird. we're just arguing in circles. It's pretty weird. I don't know. I appreciate the uh, uh, positive. I appreciate the attempt. I appreciate and the, uh, the idea behind it. <laughs> the positive depiction of sex magic. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very well done. See, yeah, it is true. Right? We're gonna, we're gonna fuck until we find our way out. That's what I say to all my girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Find our way out of what? This entire mess, this existence, dying each other's arms. Kyle, you're drunk again. Uh, according to later interviews with uh, Gene Siskel, Ryan recalled that after a private early screening of the film, King excused himself for 15 minutes to compose himself. He later returned to remark, that's the best film made, ever made out of anything I've written, which isn't saying much, but you've really captured my story. It is autobiographical. And he wiped away a little tear. Wow, that's uh, that's kind of a nice compliment from that. Probably been like hella fulfilling for Rob Reiner and Stephen King, right? To see your work translated so well, and then for him to be like, "Man, you did a great job, Rob Reiner." They went on to make uh, Misery together, and that's cool. Everything about this movie is cool. Everyone's just having a good time, making a good movie. Never keep yourself in That's summertime for you, man. Man, keep yourself was out there like banging broads left and white, right? Probably drag racing, um, turning people into vampires. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Southern we're, Southern. You're a real Keith Eleven Southern stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in 2016, on the 30 year anniversary of the film's release, several writers uh, commemorated the film. Uh, Rolling Stones' Charles Bramesco called Stand By Me timeless, a staple of youthful nostalgia for its deft straddling of the lines between childhood and adulthood, and the rare movie that necessarily gets better with time. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, it definitely is a movie that... Um, As you get older, you start to... You see different things in it. Yeah. Yeah, because this is the first time I've watched it since, like, maybe late teens. Yeah, yeah, early 20s. 
And I was like, oh, this is way different. Also, you have kids now, so probably it's way different. Yeah, I don't know. That's like everybody's like, what the fuck? What are you doing to these poor kids? <laughs> <laughs> he, he lost his brother. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, his parents suck. His dad especially. Oof. The wrong kid died. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first uh, line of dialogue from the dad, or like after he leaves Denny's room, yeah, he's like, why, why, why you got such shit kid friends, you piece of crap? Friends like Denny. Did they ever explain? Denny died in a Jeep accident, right? Yeah. Were they just driving around drunk? Maybe his friends weren't so good either. Pops. I mean, that's think about that. right, but yeah. <laughs> who knows? But yeah, that's some weird shit. <laughs> why are some of your friends such pieces of shit? I don't know, Dad, why we live in a small town where these are the only three other boys my age. Stupid-ass piece of shit. And what if Chris Changers sold the milk money, man? He gave it back. He got swindled by the adults. Can't trust authority. Or Fucking can you, man. Kyle? You gotta, you gotta put all your trust in authority. I don't think so. No, no, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's like a trust no authority, but in my mom, but then... In uh, Gordy's case, I'm probably not listening to your mom either. She said <laughs> she didn't get over that shit. I mean, I don't think any of them should really listen to mom that much. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe Teddy's mom's alright. We don't really get a lot on. Yeah, but you know, it has only been like four months since Denny died, so like maybe they'll get it together. <laughs> I guess, but I feel like it seems like I you, wouldn't uh, as completely a, neglect my other children. Yeah, like if you have multiple children, you kind of just got to pick up and carry on, right? Yeah, well, I don't carry on is my maybe not the right word, but you know, not not disappear into yourself. And be mean for no yeah. reason. <laughs> Just say the wildest shit. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the whole thing, too. Is like, his parents were that great to him when Denny was alive, so... Yeah, well, yeah, he was already, like, the forgotten boy. This one throws a football. <laughs> yeah, your story's really great, Denny. Denny, your story's really great. Yeah, but you, t- you, you kissed Denny. How far can you throw his story? <laughs> his story been kissing any bras lately? No, he's not. You can't, can't think about girls right now. It's only football, damn it! Oh yeah, that's right. Ball, football, 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 football. Uh, he should have been like, "I don't want your laugh." Yeah. Was it Varsity Blues? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> another seminal classic, right? Hell yeah! So that one's really stood the test. <laughs> MTV Films. Oh shit! I forgot about that. Um, let's talk about another uh, serious. Uh, interesting and effective coming of age film. Jerry O'Connell's in a uh, MTV Films movie, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, Monkey Bone or Idle Hands or one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm of course talking about <clears throat> Boys in the Hood. They don't know nothing but to be legit. Boys in the Hood has several direct references to Stand by Me, including a trip by four young boys to see a dead body. And the closing fade out of one of the main characters. Director John Singleton has stated that he included the references because he was a fan of the movie. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's uh, the ending of uh, Boys in the Hood definitely is like an homage to Stand By Me. But they're both like stories in a similar vein, obviously. I, uh, I like the uh, the making fun of it in uh, Clerks the Animated Series. Tony was drafted and killed in Vietnam. <laughs> Oh yeah, but it's like characters that didn't <laughs> didn't worry yeah. 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 <laughs> Didn't they actually get Richard Dreyfuss to do the voiceover for that too? I think they did. Yeah. Now to talk about one of our nemeses, uh, actors auditioning for the roles of the Netflix show Stranger Things were asked to read lines from Stand by Me, and one episode was titled "The Body" in homage to the source novella. Oh yeah, I remember that. 
And, I didn't um, think even catch. I remember the that title. I did not even think about it as a reference to uh, Stand by Me. Well, if you uh, pay close attention to Stranger Things, you'll notice they copy uh, everything. Everything from- that I watched as a child. Yeah, I know. Even copy- my kids picked it up. The first time <laughs> I watched it, Earl's like, "So it's just this ET." Yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, Steven Spielberg, John Carpenter, and Stephen King. So um, they're just little bitches who copy shit, don't come with their own shit. And um, here's the difference. My career. Here's the difference between John Singleton uh, paying homage to Stand by Me and uh, Stranger Things. John Singleton's a great filmmaker, and he did a good job. Stranger Things is fucking trash. (laughs) That's the difference. Go watch your fucking Netflix garbage and turn your brain to styrofoam. Fucking ass consumers. Uh, the end of the film, though, says that Chris died while the other three boys went on with their lives. As you mentioned, original novella, all the boys except Gordy were dead by the end of the story. Yeah. And Chris was actually the third one to die, not the first. Yeah, he dies in law school, if I remember right now. Doesn't he actually, he doesn't make it that far. Oh, he doesn't get stabbed at a diner or something? No, he still gets stabbed at a diner, but I think he's, he's oh, in he's second year law school oh. or third year law school when he gets stabbed at the diner. That part still happens. It's just he's not he's not a, he's not an old man yet. Yeah, and I think there's even a little part where where uh, where old Gordo goes back to Castle Rock and and uh, and sees his old bullies and shit. Oh, he sees Ace. Yeah, he's got a lot of oxygen tank. He's just sitting <laughs> outside of the dive bar. He's like, "Get over here, Gordo, Gordito, I'll fuck you up." <laughs> I owe you cuts. That's the thing too. Is like at the end of this movie, it's like, man, these kids are gonna get stabbed. They're going to be walking down the street and then they're going to get a baseball head from Ace in the back of his car. There's this, um, Stephen King always, I guess this is at the beginning of the episode where I was talking about like this weird like white boy thing where there's just like mean older white boys. Stephen King writes a lot of like mean kind of rural like scary kids that like I don't ever remember interacting with you know well, yeah, I mean? well he didn't grow up in like the same rural environment that that King the yeah. King necessarily did in either right ours was more urban. urban yeah, yeah. Urban. there was this, there was the there was the creek though on the strawberry farm I guess that those kind of count <laughs> but yeah. there's a sea of houses surrounding them yeah yeah it's just like uh, different I guess but um just like the pathological meanness that his characters have like uh, ace when he steals uh, gordo's hat and gordo's like my brother gave it to me it's like he knows his brother just died four months ago and he's just gonna straight up take his hat he's and a throw piece it. of shit i mean that's like such a oh, intense level of emotional bullying you know what i mean like i yeah. couldn't i couldn't see doing that to kid. <laughs> yeah, no, to the to the point at the end where i'm like if he stole my brother my hat from me he's gonna get shot in the woods yeah, he's probably yeah. That scene again is like, well, all right, cool. You're gonna die. You, just, you got my hat. We're gonna have some real problems. You don't have my hat. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, when he's like, come on, don't give me the gun. No, I don't want to shoot yourself. I'm like, do you have my hat? <laughs> you got my hat, buddy. Hey, bud. Oh man, I forgot what movie you're watching next week. Hold on. You can keep talking about Stand by Me. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say now. I'm angry about the damn hat. Stand. Won't you stand? Stand by me. It's also like kind of a, um, a glimpse into the education system of the 1950s and 60s, and they're like, "We're going to take the college classes." Is that how it worked? Oh yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, um, they were just like, "You kids suck, so you're going to be working in a factory, and then you can read books good, so we're getting you ready for college." I don't know if that was a thing or not. I don't. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. 
I mean, honestly, the, the education system in America is still designed to to make you go work in a factory for forty plus hours a week. Um, that's what they, that's what they assume most of us are going to be doing. You know that's what I mean? right. Drones work hard until they die. You just trade pieces of paper until you die. Now you just you don't even trade pieces of paper. Now you trade like uh, fucking ones and zeros over the internet until you die. <laughs> Seems like most people just uh, like serve coffee until they die. <laughs> yeah i don't again like we really need to re if we're gonna go back to work let, let's really reevaluate what what work is what work is and like how what do we how we value work so either you know the government needs to actually supply some sort of um guaranteed income to people or they need to start paying people what they're worth because you, oh. if you're essential and you're making 12 dollars 50 an hour at a grocery store during a fucking pandemic and you're gonna die for that shit come on yeah, I mean that's not gonna happen though. But no, it won't. But <laughs> it'd be nice. Sure, it'd be nice. Just logically. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the, the the world doesn't seem to operate on logic. Not when man is in control. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I, I said it. We need a matriarchal society. Let's try it out. It seems to work. Oh for yeah, the it works. For, it worked for the United Kingdom, right? Works Actually. for the works for the bonobos. And I mean, completely re- complete restructuring. Oh. It works for the bonobos. <laughs> they don't have a society. They're monkeys, goddammit. They're apes. They're great apes. It's they're, their fucking, name. they're all monkeys or monkeys. God, I don't give a shit if they have tails or not. They're goddamn monkeys. It's I don't, their... You're a monkey. I'm a monkey. They're all fucking monkeys. <laughs> it's in their name. They're a great ape. They're See, not they're... great apes. <laughs> <laughs> they're great apes. It's in their name. They're great. <laughs> great, great, great. Uh, next week, we're going to watch Tur's Trap. Next week, we're going to piss off and... Fly away into space. I'm going to Mars. Oh, yeah. I forget. Podcast is canceled. Greta Thunberg said we were Star Wars nerds. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you you maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even like Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, jo- Joke's on her because I am a big fan of Twilight. Twiglet. I'm sure she's not a big fan of Twilight either. She only cares about one thing, and that is destroying capitalism. Um, must destroy capitalism. I was trying to think of what the weirdo conservative people say about her. I'm sure. Well, I mean, that's what it gets down to, isn't it? Or uh, America, the patriarch. Um, well, yeah, Trump. she wants to destroy freedom or liberty or some shit. It's always the Vegas terms. They want. She wants to destroy the boot collection I have that I lick every night. Suck the toes real good off them. Oh, man, those worn out boots that suck the toes off them. Better watch them toes, police officer. I'll get down on my knees and suck the toes off. That's my impression of... Uh, <laughs> it was of, brilliant. Of, of, <laughs> of, I don't know, 60% of the United States. No, what's the favorability of um, abolishing the police in the United States? Has anyone done Paul? Completely abolishing it? I don't know. Like Defunding it is pretty favorable. Or, like Reallocating fund is actually pulled mm. pretty well. I think abolishing is only pulling at like 40 at best. Alright, yeah, so 60% of the United States are like, oh, suck the toes but, off but the police. Some of the, you know, to be fair, some of them are like, I'm undecided. <laughs> oh. 50% of the United States, I'll suck the toes off them boots. I might suck a toe or two, but <laughs> if I don't, if it kicks me, then maybe not. <laughs> no, they like it. They're masochists. The United States is full of masochists, and we all worship the almighty death cult known as the economy. <laughs> Whatever, this p- podcast isn't about politics. This podcast is about movies that constantly make you think about politics, because everything in the 80s was political. Everyone complains about shit now being, oh, it's political. Goddamn. They put a girl in my video game. Damn politics. 
Everything's politically stupid. There's no girl in this movie. That's for sure. Damn, there is only just his mom in it, huh? Yeah. Whoa. We got to think about a kid. The story about kids. You know, most a lot of kids that age don't have a lot of friends outside of their own gender. Yeah, right? that's true. We did because cousin. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. How, I mean, I don't. I don't know how common it is. I think Ryan has a couple, but not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's for sure. Remember when he goes to the um the shop to get like some lunch meat and bread, and the the, the fucking butcher's just talking to him about his brother, <laughs> make him feel bad about himself. Yeah, that would fucking suck to live in a small town. Yeah, everybody knows your dead brother. Yeah, it's like, hey man, I'm just trying to buy some fucking meat, and you're in here telling me I suck because my brother's dead. <laughs> it was only four months ago, man. <laughs> yeah, that's like you just constantly have to be telling people to shut the fuck up. Like, mind your business, bro. You can't do that in 1959. You get slaps. Slapped by who? The store owner. What? You just beat kids back then for no reason. That's true, actually. I'd blow them away. <laughs> I got the gun. <laughs> I got the yammer. Pop, pop, pop. That's like, a dead uh, shot. That was 100% that was going to happen at that junkyard. Uh, Chris even called like, you're going to jump over the fence, he's going to kick the shadow, you're going to take the cops. <laughs> that dude's a fucking dick, too. I, c- I can't imagine talking to kids that way. I like his dog, though. He had a cool dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. Cause like the, what they weren't even doing anything that bad. They're just you know walking I mean? through. I don't know. They didn't really do anything besides that. <laughs> people have just always been fucking angry, huh? Angry yep. and upset. People always got a chip on their shoulder. I always feel like they're not not treated right. Yeah, like I saw respect they deserve. I was talking to mom about that this week at some point. I was like, I feel like every everyone's problem is they're just so full of fear. And it manifests in all these terrible ways. Somehow need to abolish fear. People need to be more like me. Limit experiences. You gotta destroy. Oh yeah, fear. you're you're never full of fear, anxiety. <laughs> a lot of anxiety, but I'm not really afraid of anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's all people are. All it really is is anxiety. It's not necessarily fear. I don't know. A lot of way people behave and like internalize like their um, identity and shit like that it does seem to be fear to me. Especially like the hyper masculine stuff. That is absolutely fear. Nah, I don't know. I still feel like it's more. I feel like it's still it's still hues more tolerant anxiety. But yeah, uh, you're scared of other people's judgment because you're not right with yourself. I don't know. Like I said, my philosophy is all mixed up this week. Been listening to watching YouTube videos of guys that just got out of prison yelling at me about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> These guys know what's up. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, um, like, because I do subscribe quite a bit to limit experiences, and that I feel like there maybe there is some like um, unintentional wisdom out of the personal <laughs> limit like that, where it's like maybe there's like a little kernel of truth in there. I can find. Yeah, whatever. Tourist trap. I can't say tourist very well. Tourists. I, <laughs> I say, talk at all. I say tourist. I think I called uh, Teddy like Todd or Tim like fifteen times. <laughs> tourist trap. We watch tourist trap. Tourist. Oh, yeah, trap. yeah. We watch tourist trap. <laughs> tourist. Tourist trap. Third strap. I haven't seen it in a long time. This is another one of those movies that was like on Monster Vision back in the day. This is <laughs> mining content from my childhood. I guess that's the podcast, anyways, huh? Yep. The podcast. The podcast. Man, I can't save Alice. You didn't today. grow up. You're stuck in the Star Wars past with Greta Thunberg. Kind of, I guess. Right. It's the same time period. Yeah. I don't really like structure my identity around it though. Or do you, Kyle? I don't know. I guess for the podcast, a little bit. But the po- I also like use my like professional uh, like white guy job voice a lot of time on the podcast. So is it really me? I don't know. Is it? Well, who Who's knows? Really you? Yeah. Do you I even just, know anymore? 
Nope. Is that everything just an illusion? We're wrapped in an enigma. Yeah, like Mega Zone Twenty Three. All the, the the girls were hot. The music was hotter. Or the other way around. Nah, the music was hotter than the girls. I've it's <laughs> it's gonna be they're um, poorly drawn. It's gonna be quite an episode of VHS Cult when we watch Mega Zone Twenty Three. <laughs> 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 All right, I guess that's um that'll do it for this week. VHS I'm Cult. Sean. What's your Twitter at? Uh, I'm at Sean A Sean McDonald's on the tweeters. I'm Kyle. Mine's at Kyle Lemay. I don't like it very much. We're on VHSCult.com. I don't like any social media, but yeah. you're supposed to do better to make your podcast people watch and listen. And I, we should be on the grams and the Facebooks and the, the talking of the ticks, but I don't know. Fuck it, fuck it all the hell. Right. I, I'm an old man. Just listen. Just, you tell your friends, goddammit. You go out there, you hang out the flyers, and you get your sandwich boards, and you yell to the sky. Tell, tell your friends this guy on the internet, he's got opinions. Most of them are poorly formed and yell in a derogatory manner at you, but they're, uh, they're there. It is like, uh, I'm real angry about a lot of stuff, but I'm not like that angry about it. I just kind of like to complain. It's like, <laughs> I shouldn't talk, like, like last week, I shouldn't talk so much shit about like Bill Burr. Like that's like my favorite like shit to do. <laughs> Whatever, it's for a good cause, I think. My pocketbook. <laughs>